The sermon text this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 through 2 and 11 through 24. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his field to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. This is the word of the Lord. Today I'm beginning a a two-part sermon on what is commonly known as the parable of the prodigal son. And yet, we often misunderstand the meaning of the word prodigal. We often think think it means lost or wayward because of how badly the younger son behaves. But in reality, the word means excessive, wasteful, extravagant, referring to the way the, the younger son recklessly spends all of his money in the distant country. And in truth, both of the sons in this parable are deeply lost. Today, We just look at the younger son. But in both cases, this story is really about the reckless, extravagant love of the good father, whose greatest desire is that all of his children come home. Would you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word 
exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the only Son. Amen. As you all know, today is Father's Day. It's a wonderful day for us to celebrate the gift of fatherhood and our own fathers in particular. Today for us to give thanks for the men who helped bring us into this world and raise us, as well as the, the men who have acted as father figures in our lives. But let me also just say that I know that today is a difficult day for many of you as well. After all, some of you did not have a father growing up because he died or because he abandoned your family. Others of you had a father growing up, but he was not a good and loving father. Some of you had a wonderful father, and yet now he's gone, and you miss him so terribly. Still others of you dreamed of getting a chance to become a father one day, and yet that dream has not been fulfilled. And some of you have received the gift of fatherhood, but you've also had to endure the great tragedy of losing a child. So I know that many of us today approach this day with a great deal of ambivalence. And because of our ambivalence about fatherhood, sometimes that makes it hard for us to think about God as our Father. And it's difficult for most of us to call God Father and not in some way impose onto God our own images of fatherhood from our experiences with our earthly fathers. The problem with that, of course, is that it is idolatry. It's creating a false image for God that is not who God really is. And as long as we look at God primarily through the lens of our earthly fathers, we will never truly see our Heavenly Father. This is one of the reasons that Jesus told this parable. Because the Pharisees of his day were having a hard time seeing God for who God really is. They had a distorted image of God, and therefore they also had a distorted image of themselves as well as their fellow human beings. And surely they thought God wanted nothing to do with all those sinners out there which, of course, they were not a part of. But after all, they were the rule followers. And it really upset them that Jesus, this, this religious teacher, was not only welcoming all these sinners who had done nothing to deserve it, but he was eating with them, which was a major act of acceptance and solidarity in their society. So in order to help these Pharisees to see and understand, as he so often did, Jesus told a story. He said once was there was a man who had two sons. One day the younger son came to his father and asked for his share of the family inheritance. In effect saying, Dad, I wish you were dead so I could have your money. Please give it to me now. Now, the amazing thing is that the father actually did it. 
rather than just grab a stick and beat his son right out of the house as a Middle Eastern father would have been expected to do. He gives his son his share of the family wealth, though it must have ripped his heart in two to do it. And just as God does for us, the father let his son take all of those blessings and walk right out the door. You see, our Heavenly Father loves us so much that He gives us the freedom to reject that love and waste all of our blessings. God refuses to force us to worship Him and to live as God's people. Instead, the Father invites us into a relationship with God as His beloved sons and daughters. God will settle for nothing less. For the Father does not want slaves or robots or employees, but grateful children who love Him and who know that they are His beloved. And God gives each of us gifts and resources to be used in grateful response to God's love in service to His kingdom here on earth, the family estate, if you will. But we can squander those gifts pursuing our own vision of life. God gives us the freedom to do so. Though it breaks the Father's heart when we do, because that is not the way we were created to live, and God knows that it will not go well for us in the end. And no father wants his children to experience unnecessary pain and suffering that result from making bad decisions. But perhaps the worst decision of all is trying to find our identity somewhere outside the Father's house. This is what the younger son was chasing when he took his wealth off into the distant land. He wanted to establish his own identity, to live his own way, to be his own person. And often, so do we. Of course, the distant land represents different things for each of us. An education, career, retirement, marriage, parenthood, divorce. And we go into these distant lands seeking many things. Freedom, wealth, acceptance, self-respect. Fulfillment, security, pleasure, affirmation, love, whatever we think will put the broken pieces of our life back together. And so often these distant lands, they look so promising, and the grass there looks so green, and they may seem to even satisfy us for a while. But sooner or later, their barrenness reveals itself because outside the Father's house, eventually, famine always sets in. But when the younger son took his share of the inheritance into the distant land, he began to live extravagantly, recklessly spending his money left and right. 
It must have been exhilarating for a while. I mean, surely he became the most popular man in town. I'll bet everyone there knew his name in no time. At last, he thought, he had become somebody, no longer living in the shadow of his father and his elder brother. At last, he was able to live without limits, doing whatever he wanted, having whatever he wanted, being whoever he wanted. But eventually, it all came crashing down. For the text tells us, when he had spent everything, a severe famine struck the land, and so the boy began to starve. Suddenly his great dream of independence and autonomy wasn't looking quite so glorious after all. In fact, just in order to survive, he had to sell his services to a pig farmer, something inconceivable for a Jew, and worse, he even wished that he could become one of those pigs so that he could eat their food. And attempting to become somebody in the distant land outside the father's house, he had lost his identity altogether. He had become less than human. He had become Nobody. You see, it is our relationship with our Heavenly Father and our place in the Father's house that give us our identity. When we seek our identity anywhere else, success, popularity, our appearance, our sexuality, our work, our family, we become something less than fully human. Remember, we were created in the image of God. Therefore, it is only when we look to our Heavenly Father that we discover who we really are. But it is Jesus, the only Son, who reveals the Father to us. As Jesus said, no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Therefore, as Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. We have no access to God the Father except through Jesus, the only Son. And as the Holy Spirit unites us with Jesus Christ in our baptisms, we become adopted into the Son's relationship with the Father. Therefore, what is true for Jesus becomes true for us. And so the reason we call God Father is not because God is male. God is neither male nor female, but because he's the father of the only son, Jesus Christ. And as we share in Christ's sonship through the Holy Spirit, God becomes our father as well. As the Apostle Paul writes, because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And it is through Christ alone that we receive this identity as the beloved sons and daughters of our heavenly Father. But in order to become 
who we were created to be. We have to receive and embrace that identity. Well, after the prodigal had been starving for a while in the distant land, wishing he were a pig, an image of his father's house began to stir in his memory. And he recalled that even his father's workers always had far more food than they could even eat. And so the boy comes up with a plan to satisfy his hunger by going to his father and saying, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired hands. In other words, he's going to save himself. He's going to work his way out of debt and fill his belly by entering into an employer-employee relationship with his father. It's really the way he had viewed his father all along, now they'll just make it official. So the boy begins his long journey home. But while he was still far off, be very sure this is a theological statement. The boy may have physically made it closer to home, but spiritually he was still very lost. He still did not understand who he was, and he certainly didn't understand who his father was. He just wanted to use his father to satisfy his craving, to fill his empty stomach. We often want to use God just to get what we want, don't we? But while the boy was still a very long way away, he was spotted by his father, who must have been standing up on the hot roof of his house day after day after day, holding out hope beyond hope that one day his son might come home. And when he sees the boy, he's filled with compassion. After all, he knows full well how much his son must have suffered. He also knows what awaited the boy in the village. For the son's insult to the father by asking for his inheritance was an offense to the entire village, one they would not soon forget. And worse, he had lost his inheritance among the Gentiles which would likely result in his expulsion from the community, and that, in the end, would lead to certain death, which, of course, is where our sin always leads. And so the Father, in a humiliating, unthinkable act of sacrificial love, does what no self-respecting Middle Eastern man would ever do, he picks up his robes, exposing his legs, and he runs right through the village to get to his son before anyone else can. And he wraps his arms 
around his dirty, emaciated son who smelled like a pig and covers him in kisses. And for the first time in this young man's life, he truly sees his father. In witnessing his father's actions on his behalf, he finally understands how much pain his own actions had caused. He now understands that to suggest to his father that he'd become but an employee would be a knife in his father's already bleeding heart. At last, he realizes that the, that the love and the acceptance and the freedom and the identity that he'd been chasing in the distant land had been right there in his father's house all along. He had just had a distorted image of his father as well as of himself. For he did not see himself as the beloved child of his father. He never understood how much his father loved him and how costly that love had been. But at last, he sees. And he will never be the same again. So the boy changes his speech. He gives up his plan to save himself and he simply says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father will have none of it. Because he's already forgotten what the boy had done. All that mattered to him was that his son was home. So he called his servants to go and get the best robe in the house, which of course was his own robe, and to bring it and put it on the boy, and to put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet, demonstrating to everyone that he was still his father's son. And the lost boy accepts being found. And then the father practically carries his emaciated son back to the father's house, passing right through the village so that everyone there can see whose robe the boy is wearing. And then the father throws the most extravagant feast in order to celebrate his great joy at having found his lost son. Do you see? Our Heavenly Father loves us so much that no matter what we have done, He still runs to us in the person of Jesus Christ wherever we have gotten lost in our pain our grief, our addiction, our pride, our guilt, our sin. And he wraps his forgiving arms around us and urges us to come home. 
You see, there's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. There's also nothing you can do that would make God love you any less. Oh, you may think that that God could never forgive you for what you have done. You may think that there couldn't possibly be a place in the Father's house for you. You may think that you're just far too lost in the distant land to ever be found by God. But as the Apostle Paul assures us, there is nothing in all of creation that will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And therefore, you are never too far off for God. This is the good news of the gospel and the miracle of the incarnation. That in Jesus Christ, God himself became the prodigal for our sakes. Leaving the Father's house and coming down into the distant land where he poured himself out with reckless abandon. Giving away all that he had. All of his love. And all of his life. In order to find God's lost children and bring us home to the Father's house. On the cross, Jesus became lost so that you and I might be found. And when we receive God's love and forgiveness in Jesus Christ, who perfectly reveals the Father to us, when we accept being found, and embrace our true identity as beloved sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father who risked everything to find us. Then there's a party going on in heaven like you've never seen. And our Heavenly Father is just dying to throw a party for you. So don't you think it's about time to come home?